Welcome back to Ready, Set, Review, your favorite podcast for movies, comics, and culture. I am your host, Anthony. (laughs) (laughs) And I am Matt. Welcome the fuck back. Oh, this is nice. Yeah, this really is nice. You know, coming back to the grassroots, where Mm -hmm. we started. You know, it's it's nice to get back to where you you started from. And we are recording live, guerrilla style, from the keypad. Uh, which is why you heard that squeaky toy. That is Harley Quinn, who is <laughs> joining us here as in, in <laughs> informal third yeah, guest. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, the Peter de facto the de facto intern, but uh, I don't really think that she's gonna be much help. I know, right? Oh um, my god! Unless you have snacks, that's <laughs> she can turn snacks into poop, and that's about it. Oh man! Well, I for one am very excited to be back. It's been far too long since we've done an episode of Ready Set Review. Um, Absolutely. Since our last episode of Ready Set Review, which was actually the uh, mid-year episode of the Rotten Tomatoes Fantasy League, yep. which was a ton of fun. Um, we've just been very busy uh, doing other stuff, getting other shows up and running and moving along. So political partying, getting more into cannon fodder, uh, of course, talking tacos and doing some other cool stuff like the New Jersey free blockbuster box, which you can find at 3BR Distillery in Keyport, New Jersey. Absolutely. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, I strongly encourage you. It's really cool. Very simple concept. Take one, leave one. Um, come and check out some of the cool movies that are there. Come and get a drink at 3BR and leave with a movie when you're on your way home. Yeah, definitely. Is, get a is drink. there <laughs> any way that is like a better like like a better night? Like I think it really brings back that feel of blockbuster. You know, you yeah. go to a blockbuster. You're going to grab your snacks, your popcorn right in the blockbuster. You grab a movie and you set yourself up for the weekend. And if you want to come on a Sunday afternoon between the hours of 2 and 4 o'clock roughly, roughly. you'll find Anthony and I and Ed and James as well, friend of the show, James, uh, there drinking yeah. <laughs> for, hashtag soviet sunday yeah hashtag soviet sunday we get a chance to go there for those of you who are not familiar with the 3BR distillery it is a soviet era style distillery um that is in keyport new jersey where their whole distilling process is all based off of original soviet distilling it, essentially the owner's grandfather was a a bootlegger in the Soviet Union throughout the 70s and 80s. Yeah, it's uh, it, yeah the the if you want, if you want a lot more detail on it on the Review Podcast Network, you can go listen to an episode of the Mix. I think it's episode number eight, uh, where I sat down with brothers Max and Alex, uh, and they took us they took me through the the whole history of not just their family and their grandfather and, uh, and his roots and his recipes, but how they've taken that um, and made it their own a little bit, and and what their whole process is in making their spirits and their cocktails, and it's uh. Yeah, their drinks are, are fantastic, um, and it's, it's the only place that I would say, you know, you hear us talk a lot about Asbury Park Distilling on Talking Tacos, we go there every Tuesday, um, and we always talk about how the distillery has ruined us for cocktails in most other places. This is the only place that competes, in my opinion, in terms of both spirits and cocktails with Asbury Park Distilling. Their spirits are just amazing. Like, you know, I, I had the opportunity to go to Colts Neck Stillhouse for the okay. first time a couple weeks ago, uh, another place I've been wanting to go to. It's another local distillery in Colts Neck. Um, they make some very creative drinks. The drinks are very good. However, their spirits that they start with are just not on the same level as both 3BR and Asbury Park. And Asbury Park so, like, that's where yeah. you really know like how important that you can make the most creative cocktails in the world. And they're probably going to be good, but when you start with the best ingredients, the spirits, 
that's that's what put you guys. That's what puts you head and shoulders above everything else. And three BR does that really, really well. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, and a very unique style, very unique flavor. Both um, really, really cool. Both Asbury Distillery as well as three BR. Not only do they make their own uh, gin versions of gin. Um, I don't think you can officially call it gin because it's not exactly gin. But three BR, yeah, yeah. Um, but they also make their own tonic. Which is a darker tonic, and it is just—it's so good. Yeah, and and they make yeah, make make their own bitters. All the ingredients they put in it is all stuff that they at three BR they have this. Uh, they make a horseradish infused vodka, not oh, for sale, just so for something good. to keep on the bar to do special shots with. And it's one of those things where you're like. Ooh, is this going to be good? And, oh, yeah, no, it's really fucking good. Yeah, it's really good. good. Definitely would encourage you trying out the horseradish shot. Um, but, hey, let's. Uh, that's obviously not why we're here. Yeah. We're here to talk about movies, comics, and culture. Yeah. Right? And there has been a lot of it that has come out recently. Yeah, so let's, so let's talk about that just very quickly because, obviously, since we missed, like, roughly four to five months of content, we're not going to bore you guys with going back through all the stuff that we've missed over the few months. We're going to go right into the stuff that's come out recently and the stuff that's happening right now. Uh, Anthony and I just got back from the theater. Fresh out of 2. the theater. This was my first movie back into a first theater. First one, really? First movie back into a theater since everything was shut down because of COVID. Uh, I am so excited to now have like that feeling again, being back in a movie theater, seeing something on the big screen, and I was not disappointed. So you didn't go to see uh, uh, Shang Chi then? And no, theaters. I did oh, not see Shang Chi. I haven't. I have literally haven't seen anything. This was the first one back. Okay, so we'll we'll have to recoup on uh, or regroup on on that movie because I actually did see that in theaters. That was my first movie back in theaters. Was uh, with Shang Chi, um, and you know whatever, D- go see it. It's fucking incredible. But yeah, Venom yeah. two just. <laughs> Venom 2 is, you know, and it's so funny because I feel like one of the very first episodes that we ever did of Ready, Set, Review was our review of the first Venom movie. It was, yeah. And one of the things that I said was the best thing about that movie is that it was an hour and 40 minutes long. Yep. I think this movie clocked in a little bit longer than that. It was about maybe an hour and 50 minutes or so. I, you know what? I, I'm actually going to look right now because I don't even think it was that long. It, 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 it Honestly, the whole movie felt like it was an hour. Yeah, it, it moves really, so fucking it, fast. The whole movie, <laughs> it felt like you're just on crack the whole time. and It's just moving from plot point to plot point. There's really no story that's being built and it's just it's it's just a, a, a smushed sandwich of just action, chaos, and craziness. Yeah, and and I would I would use the term the terms plot point very loosely, very in loosely this, <laughs> in this regard. Yeah, no, it's an hour and thirty seven minutes. Yeah, hour, yeah just so like, again, yeah, so right on the money. Best thing about Venom number one was it an hour and forty minutes. This movie is an hour and thirty seven minutes. Probably the best thing about this movie as well. You're in, you're out. The jokes land, though. That's the thing. It's a very funny movie. I don't know if it was meant to just be an action comedy or uh, I, I guess you could say horror comedy, kind of. No, but yeah, like the, I mean, it's more of an action movie. But I mean, the jokes landed. It was very funny. The first thing I I said to Anthony when this movie ended was, I've never seen a movie 
that was so good and so bad at the same time. Yeah. Like it 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 really was I, I think I think horror comedy is the best way to describe it because I wouldn't even say it was an action movie. There really wasn't yeah. until the final fight scene, which really is the only final fight scene, there wasn't a whole lot of action except for that scene where Carnage, you know, uh, breaks out of the prison or whatever. There really yeah. wasn't a lot of action. It was mostly the majority of the movie were just like really hilarious jokes between Eddie Brock and Venom. It was like a buddy cop movie almost. It really was. And like, and the dynamic between the two of them was great. Like I thought it was hilarious and very realistic where it was like, if you had an alien inside your body, this is the way that you would act and how you would feel. Like he looks like he's strung out all the time. He looks like he's stressed. He looks like he doesn't sleep. He, he's talking to himself. And he just literally looks like an absolute crazy person. Yeah. It's, it's fucking hysterical. And like that yeah. scene in, in the, in the, I remember watching the trailer and they, they, the first trailer really played up that scene where like Venom is making breakfast in the apartment and his tentacles are yeah, like, was, making a huge mess. And yeah, the, it was like the first teaser. Yeah. And in with. the trailer, I'm like, Oh, that looks so dumb. But something about seeing it in the movie, when you, when you get the, context of that scene in the movie because the, the scene immediately um, follows the a scene where he's with where Eddie Brock is with Anne and he thinks that Anne is gonna like get back together with him but, he, but she's there to tell him that she's getting engaged to the guy Dan from the first movie so he's all like down and out or whatever and Venom's trying to cheer him up by making breakfast so when you have that context and actually seeing that scene and Venom is trying to cheer him up it makes the scene actually really funny it really is it's it's like it's actually kind of like touching. Like he's trying to like make him feel better and like cheer him up and he gives him this big pile of breakfast and it's just like everything. There's waffles, there's sausage, there's eggs and it's just piled yeah. on in this giant in two giant piles on these two plates. And that's what I was it's and that's great. why I keep on going back to that buddy cop dynamic, right? Yeah. Because like let's let's think about movies that like classic buddy cop movies, right? Obviously the first one that comes to mind is Lethal Weapon, like all the Lethal Weapon movies, right? And when you really like peel those movies back. All four movies are about primarily the relationship between Riggs and Murtaugh. The villains yep. are always an afterthought. Oh, like, yeah. Mr. Joshua, fantastic villain. But he really yeah. has just, like, zero depth. He's just fantastic because it's Gary Busey being an absolute psychopath, right? Yeah. Just like in, in Venom, Venom Let There Be Carnage... Like, Cletus Cassidy, as a character, is just a complete fucking afterthought. He's just, a like, a mindless fucking hick who likes to kill people, which is honestly not that much different than he is in the comic books. And the, the his... He's... He's just there for effect. He's just there to be a, a villainous foil for Eddie Brock and Venom. The entire movie really focuses around the relationship between Eddie and Venom. Yeah, and it's, and it's a great relationship. It's hilarious. Yeah. It, and, like, especially, like... The way that it ends, too, it's just so good. But, yeah, Woody Harrelson... Um not your best. So, work. <laughs> so be careful. Be careful of spoilers. You know, I guess we should have said that right away. Oh no! Uh, if mean, you're listening to this if show, if you're listening been, to this show, it's been a yeah. while. But don't forget, yeah, we spoil the shit we, out of everything. We spoil everything. But um, yeah, so they kill off Cletus Cassidy in this movie. Right. They eat his head. They eat the symbiote. You know, like okay, good. I'm glad. Yeah. Good. I, I I like that. I didn't like eating the symbiote. That was weird. I also didn't like. The way that the symbiote gets transferred to 
uh, Cletus Cassidy is because he bites him and he gets his blood. Yeah. His it's, it, it's not really the same. Like, it doesn't make sense because he does call him, like, father. And it right. is supposed to be, like, the spawn. And it just seems so ham-fisted. Like, it, 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 it seems like they tried to take the Venom and Carnage story... And they just smushed so much together and they tried to make it into an hour and a half movie and you just can't do it. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, that yeah. is, you know, in the comic books, right, it's the it's Ven- the original symbiote literally has a baby um, and, that's, right. and that symbiote attaches itself to Cletus Cassidy and becomes Carnage, right? And well, I, it's because Eddie Brock and Cletus Cassidy are cellmates. Right, cellmates, right. In, and the, the symbiote breaks him out of jail. Exactly. And then leaves a baby, leaves a baby yeah, behind, right? Yeah, like, Which you know, I can I can understand from like a live action movie perspective why you wouldn't want to get into the whole concept of the symbiote having a baby, but it's really not that big of a deal. So like, I feel like that was their way of trying to the whole you know him uh, Cletus Cassidy biting him, you know, and I I guess it kind of makes sense, but yeah, it's also really stupid at the same time because what was stupid really is what led up to that because yeah. this whole dichotomy between Eddie Brock and uh, Cleus Cassidy is literally just shoved up our asses. It makes no sense whatsoever. Like, there's absolutely no frame of reference why Cletus Cassidy would want anything to do with Eddie Brock other than the fact that he's a reporter, right? You know, so I guess you can say, okay, he's this random reporter that he chose to tell his story to, like they tease at the end of the first movie, you know, and, and then, then it he that's how he develops this weird attraction to him or whatever, but it just doesn't work. It's just no. totally thrown in your face, and, you, and they're yeah. just like, yeah, no, 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 this is the way it is. D- don't ask questions. Just fucking accept it. Just deal with it and take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's so fun to watch yeah i know she's a mush uh it's so fun to watch woody harrelson play as this role because he's not good and now woody harrelson is a great actor he is not just a good actor he is a great actor and it is so fun to watch woody harrelson in this role because it's terrible. Yeah, like it's how so did bad. I? You know, I. I haven't, it's so bad. I haven't really. I didn't really read anything about the casting around the. You know, this movie. But wh- why? Like, what was Woody Harrelson doing? Like, did he get a new agent? Like, why? Like, he doesn't need to do this movie. Like, you know, like we've we've all seen. Right? Kickball, give check. Kickball, right? give check. Right? Because like, <laughs> we've we've all seen we've all seen movies before where like you you see an actor that was, you know, once a great actor and they pop up in these movies and these roles and you're like, oh, this is a movie that this actor would have never done in their prime. You know, I can't really think of an example of that right now, but Woody Harrelson has never not been in his prime, right? So it's like, I'm just trying to like wrap my head around what, yeah, it just just has to have been like, hey, we're going to pay you $8 million to do this movie and you don't really need to do much. It's like 90% CGI, have at it. He's like, all right, sweet. You know, like... Because he didn't need to do this movie. No, he didn't. And I think it's just because they needed a big-name actor to be there um, and to be a part of it. You know who I think would have done a much better job and would have been a much better Cletus Cassidy? Literally Is, anybody? Uh, Cameron Monaghan. Um, he oh, was, oh, yes, of course. Yeah, from uh, Gotham and yeah. Shameless, yep. and he was in Jedi Fallen Order as the character. Um, I, I think he would have made a great Cletus Cassidy. 
but even like the symbiote itself, like it was too big. It was more like it was more like um, the uh, uh, I don't want to say Ultimate Carnage. What was the the one the store the Carnage storyline that they did most recently? It was in like, the comics, or? yeah, in the comic books. It oh, was like it was Unlimited called, uh, or Carnage Unlimited or something like no, that. Or, wasn't it called Absolute Carnage? That's what it was. Absolute Carnage. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. So that's really what it felt like. It was like more of that kind of Carnage character where it was much bigger. He had all the tendrils out. Yeah. It wasn't like the original Carnage character. I also thought Shriek was completely a little, useless. Was a little soft. I I did like the way that she was acted. I I thought that it was cool. I thought that the love story between them and getting a chance to see them like in the cathedral, which is a big part of the Maximum Carnage storyline, because that's where Dagger gets killed yep. in the Maximum Carnage storyline in the comic books. Um, but I, So it was really cool. Like That was a really nice throwback that I enjoyed. But um, yeah, yeah at the definitely, same... it definitely fell flat. Yeah, like, see, the, the, the whole having Shriek there at all was a complete mistake in my opinion because I agree the actress that played her I think did a very cool job bringing the character to life because it's a very um, it's a very deep Shriek's a very deep cut as far as Spider-Man characters are concerned like I'm a Spider-Man nut so I was very excited to see her but she's definitely a deep cut as far as Spider-Man comics are concerned and her inclusion was done entirely to play up this humanity side of Cletus Cassidy because it's like the one person in the world that he has feelings for. Yeah. And they play that up in the end a little bit, you know, where um, the Carnage symbiote starts to break free a little bit because he wants to kill Shriek, but Woody Harrelson tries to stop him from doing that because he actually loves her. It's like the one person he actually loves. And it's like, I get that from a character perspective, but everything else... All of the absurdity and comedic foil leading up to those those final scenes in that movie did not warrant the inclusion of a deep character moment for for Cletus Cassidy. It should have just Shriek shouldn't have existed. Cletus Cassidy should have just been full on redneck hippie psychopath the entire movie, so that you have absolutely zero like. No remorse at all when he when Venom bites his head off. You don't want to feel anything for Cletus Cassidy because he's supposed to be just a complete psychotic serial killer nut job. Yeah, and and Naomi Harris, the the actress who played Shriek, is a very good actress. She is the new Money Penny in in yep. all of the Daniel Craig or a lot of the Daniel Craig. Um, uh, James Bond movies, which I'm sure we'll get more into that when we do our James Bond episode of Cannon Fodder. Yep. Um, but she's a good, legitimate... See, that's the funny thing. So Tom Hardy, uh, Woody Harrelson, Naomi Harris, they're all good actors. Yeah. And in this movie, they were all... <laughs> the acting was just not good. It was so cheesy. It's so ham-fisted. It's so over-the-top. But it's there's something endearing about it. There is something in really, really enjoyable. And again, at an hour and forty minutes, you're not going to feel like, oh my gosh, this is a waste of my time. You're in and out. It's funny. It's a good time. It's a, a roller coaster ride, and it's it's great. Definitely, I'm, like how about this? How about the scene where where <laughs> the most ridiculous scene by far is where Carnage is first breaking out of the prison. And he's going through the prison, and he's killing all the guards, and he comes to, like, the warden who's his last kill. And there's, like, everything he had done up to that point made sense in terms of what we know about the way the symbiotes work in, you know, the movie universe. But then 
out of nowhere, Carnage starts to spin very fast and yeah. kicks up like a dust storm tornado, like the same way the Flash would. Yeah, and and the, and it's like and it becomes like a full on fucking tornado. He's spinning. And I I like I look over at Anthony. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? And yeah. he's got the warden inside the tornado with him while it's still like it. Just, it just like it. Com- it reminded me of the beginning of Batman versus Superman. <laughs> like that's what it reminded me of. Of like the bats yeah. just circling around uh, out of nowhere, and you're like, wait, like what is happening right it's now? Just like they're like, like they're, how is this a thing? They're writing <laughs> that scene, like they're storyboarding that scene, and it's like. They hadn't started doing drugs yet, and then like somebody brought out the cocaine. They're like, "Guys, what if Venom just spins? Yeah, what if he spins really fast and makes a tornado?" And it's like, "Yeah, I get because because the other thing that they just like threw on you at the very beginning of the movie, which like it's a it's a power that Venom apparently has, and then." Literally never uses again, which is apparently super speed, right? That scene in the beginning where he's, um, where he's trying to, where Venom is trying to get uh, Eddie Brock to to draw or whatever. He's like, remember what we saw on the wall or whatever. And all of a sudden, Venom takes oh, control yeah. over Eddie Brock's body and he starts drawing very accurately at super speed, just like the Flash. And I'm like, what is happening here? Yeah, that's like, so not a power that Venom now. has. Yeah. And again, if they want to give him that power in the movie, like I'm not opposed to it. But then, like, he literally never uses it ever again. See, this is the problem with introducing Venom without introducing Venom in Spider-Man. Right. Because the whole point of Venom and his powers is because the symbiote copies the powers of the person that it has a symbiotic relationship with. Yep. So it copied the powers of Spider-Man. So that's why he could shoot webbing. That's why he had super strength. That's why he has a spider sense. That's, like... All of those things. That's Venom. That's where he gets his powers from. No. But so now he's just an alien creature who apparently is a part of a hive mind. So like it's it's like they're taking the old Venom and new Venom storylines and just all of these different things and just smashing it into one movie. But however, however, I think that the most important thing that we need to talk about is the after credit scene. So the after credit scene was really interesting and it kind of hits you out of nowhere because again, you get that buddy cop style. They're on vacation. They seem to be in this suite in some Island and, uh, Venom and Eddie Brock and, and Venom starts talking about like the history of, of his, I, I guess species. Yeah, yeah. And he starts talking about the hive mind and and the the persecution that they've been through. And he's going to show Eddie Brock, like, give him a taste of like his history. And just as he's about to do that, the whole thing starts to flash, and then bam, you you hear J. Jonah Jameson on the TV. You see Tom Holland. There as Spider Man on the TV, which was really cool. Like yeah. that was really cool, and uh, and here his name is Peter Parker, and it's obvious that it is a tie in to the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, clearly because because the the first thing you notice too after that big flash of light 
um, is that he's very clearly in the same room, but the decor of the room and the things around him are completely different, right? So, like, suggesting, you know, little subtle changes in the multiverse, right? He's at the same room, but the decor is different, and there's also a guy in the room with him now. He's in somebody's room. The guy comes out, like, you know, Ferris Bueller style. Like, oh, what, are you, what are you doing in my yeah, room? Yeah, very right? Ferris Bueller style. And, yeah, and then, you, yeah, you see, and it's that same... Um, they're they're just replaying that same after credit scene from uh, uh, Far From Home where J. Jonah J- or where uh, J.K. Simmons is back as J. Jonah Jameson, uh, but a different version of J.J. because you know his head is shaved or whatever. He's got the same yeah. thing. He's doing the 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 fucking Alex Jones style Infowars channel or whatever. Um, so it's very cool to see all that. And they yeah they actually show Tom Holland and it's the scene about him being. So I think this is where they're starting to really hint at a, like a real tie-in and where I think they're gonna bring the hatred for Peter Parker around because the one thing that they did do well throughout this movie and play up a lot was Venom's, you know, protecting innocence, which is directly from the comic book. Lethal right? protector. Yeah, lethal it's protector. It's a running joke throughout the entire thing. It's so thing. great. And then, but then, you know, having on the on the TV showing Spider-Man as a murderer, Venom starts is like, this guy, you know, so you start to see that hatred kind of coming there because, okay, this guy's a murderer, he kills innocents, I protect the innocents, so now I'm going to go fucking Venom on him. Now, it begs the question, right, um, obvious now it's, it's you know, we, we were hinted at it before um, with the inclusion of, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, with the inclusion of Michael Keaton's character. Right, right Vulture. Right. right. We were hinted at it before. We have now seen Michael Keaton's character again, the Vulture, in the Morbius trailer, right? In the Morbius trailer also, uh, Jared Leto makes a joke about, he's like, I'm Venom. No, just kidding, I'm not Venom. So yeah. now it's really all connected. So here's the real question. Does Venom make an appearance in Multiverse of Madness, even I, in the form of an after credit scene? So I... I I think the answer is yes. I think that the answer is absolutely yes. I think that's how he gets introduced into the Marvel Universe. And I think I, I think it's really cool. I think eventually we are going to get the Venom that we know and love with the white spider on his chest. I think that that is going to be coming. Now, here's the, the, the question that I have. is Does this now set up Multiverse of Madness to be an Avengers-style movie, almost the way that that uh, Civil War was. So Civil yeah. War was a Captain America movie, but it had so many, it felt like an Avengers right. movie. Multiverse of Madness is really shaping up to be that same thing. I think yeah. the more, I, now I think it's obvious that Venom is going to be there. Will Morbius be in the Multiverse of Madness, even for like a cameo, just a blip? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I so I, I, I agree with you. I think that Multiverse of Madness is going to end up being more like an Avengers-style movie the same way Civil War was. Um, I'm... Uh, I don't know if... I don't know if Morbius has the clout to be in an MCU proper movie. I will say, I, I have to admit, you know, that... This trailer that just that dropped, this full trailer that just dropped for Morbius a few days ago, it looks much better than the first trailer. Man. And dare I say, even the trailer looks good? Yeah. Question I, question mark. Yeah. yeah. It 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 kinda does. Like yeah. and I'm and Jared Leto, who is a great actor, by the way, looks good in it. Yeah. He looks like he doesn't look like 
like Tom Hardy does in this movie. Like, <laughs> he, he looks like he's legit. He doesn't look like he's phoning it in at all. He looks like he legitimately took it seriously. Yeah. He looks like he's really giving... It looks like a very interesting storyline. Vampires, cool. So it's a vampire story that blends over into superheroes. Cool. Yeah. I I I dig it. I think it I think it'll be awesome. Yeah, and and I think that it's the, you know, it 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 goes back to all the rumors and stuff that we've been talking about a lot too, you know, like with the um the in the very one of the very first uh, shots we saw, stills we saw of the Morbius movie back when it was supposed to come out in 2019 or whenever the fuck that was. Um was the yeah, scene that's of him, right. right? That's supposed to come out three yeah. years ago. <laughs> it was the scene. It was the scene of him, you know, walking down that alleyway, and you saw what was very obviously the Sam Raimi Spider Man on the wall next to him, right? So you have that tie-in. We know for a fact in the trailer now we've seen the Michael Keaton Vulture, which right. ties into Tom Holland's right. Spider-Man. So here's another prediction I'm going to make, right? For for like a year and a half now, we've had to deal with fucking internet trolls, photoshopping images of Andrew Garfield and yeah. Tobey Maguire in the scenes from, you know, like, oh, look, confirmed, confirmed, yeah. right? And everybody's been playing mum about it and keeping it quiet, right? And everybody is so, you know, gung-ho about all of the different Spider-Men appearing in uh, No Way Home. And from what, everything we've seen up until this point, I don't think that Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man is going to appear, but I do now think that Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man... Because I, I was always very, like, 50-50 on the whole appearance of the additional Spider-Man in the movie. Yeah. I always felt just like a fucking cheap rumor mill gimmick to come up with whatever. I don't, I don't think we're going to see Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. I do think we are going to see Tobey Garfield's... Uh, Tarby, Toby Garfield. Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man in uh, No Way Home. Yeah, I, I, I mean, definitely, right? Because Doc Ock is going to be there, mm-hmm. right? So we know definitively that Doc Ock and Alfred Molina's Doc right. Ock is going to be... And we saw the pumpkin bomb from the Raimi movies. Right, right? and we saw the pumpkin bomb. Now, we don't know if that's going to be Green Goblin right. or if that is going to be uh, the Hobgoblin. Right, because they both technically died. Right, they both technically died, But and I think both of them are cool, and, yep. but in both of them would be cool to see. Right. However... However, James Franco is not culturally popular right now, so it'll most likely be Willem Dafoe. That is probably true. (laughs) However, now Willem Dafoe could set up the really cool storyline that seems to be being built, which is Secret Invasion, uh, and then leading to Dark Avengers. Right. Like, how cool would it be to see a crazy Willem Dafoe in an Iron Man suit as Iron Patriot, right, leading an Avengers team Yeah, with a fake, maybe different Venom, maybe a a Matt Gargan, because Matt Gargan is in... uh, The first Spider-Man movie. Well, no, he's in um, the new Spider-Man movies, too. He's, He's... been in, um, he was in the first one and and the second one. Right, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the new series with Tom Holland. Yeah, yeah, yeah with yeah. Tom Holland. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So could we potentially see a Mac Gargan Venom? Yep. And and see him in and see that Venom suit like I still, that would I be still, really I cool. I still think I I know you love the Dark Avengers idea. I do. And it's one it's of my, my favorite storyline. Yeah, I mean, so it's, it's one. I, I want to see it put to screen so bad. Yeah, it's it's one of my favorite storylines in Marvel ever too. The whole not just Dark Avengers, but that whole I've talked about this before. That whole like. 10 to 12 year period from Avengers disassembled all the way up through um, oh, the, yeah. the X-Men versus Avengers or whatever. But I still think that 
Dark Avengers is a pipe dream in the MCU. I don't think that's ever going to happen. I think I think it's the only way to go for a big storyline that's not what you've already done before because you've already done the big baddie. You've already done Thanos. You're now building towards an Immortus. But now we right? have Kang. Yeah, we have Kang. Right, though. you have Kang, you have Immortus, right? So you're building towards that. It, as a way to bridge the gap, you need to have a, a superhero versus superhero team battle. Right. You need to have, you know, almost the same way that you needed it in Game of Thrones where you needed to see dragon versus dragon and they ham-fisted it and it was terrible, <laughs> which doesn't doesn't make me think good things, but this is Marvel, so... Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that it's a way to have something, you know, new, different, fresh... That would be a big ensemble story for a lot of different actors and a lot of different characters, and you get them a chance to see everyone on screen at the same time. I think it could be really cool. No, I agree with you. I think it would be awesome. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to ta- touch on something, though, because it seems like we have a new sort of genre of movie that is really taking off in the superhero culture. And that is the the blending of universes. Yeah. So both, and, and we're going to get into DC fandom in a minute, but both the Flash trailer as well as what is being now built for Multiverse of Madness to, and, and uh, uh, what's the new one? Is it not Far From Home? Not No, no, no Way, way Home, home yeah. right? So, and the new No Way Home Spider-Man movie where it's bringing previous iterations of the character that have been put to screen and bringing them back into the storyline, making them canon. This is something that's brand new. That's never been done before that, that I think could be absolutely phenomenal. Just real wank stuff for fans. Well, yeah. Cause I mean, we, you know, we, we saw it, um, you know, it, it's, it's one of the, it's probably the only thing that DC as a whole had a leg up on in Marvel um, with the Arrowverse and Crisis on Infinite Earths, right? Like absolutely, that was we t- we talked about that on, a, on an older episode, um, and that was one of the coolest crossovers in any series ever. Yeah, cr- Crisis was, was amazing. amazing. Crisis it was, was absolutely incredible. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, I strongly encourage you go yeah. find it. And we're gonna do put the episodes together at some at some point. We'll do a whole cannon fodder series because it'll need to be like three episodes on the Arrowverse <laughs> and all the things that connect to it. Yeah. Um. But uh. But yeah. No. No. I agree. I, I. I love this this style of storytelling because it's one of the things I've always loved about just multiverse stories and comic books is that it gets you know. It can get a little convoluted, it can get a little hokey and a little silly, but when it's done right, there are few storylines that are better because it all comes down to the, you know, not to make a plug here, but it all comes down to the question of like, what if, right? And for a very long time, Marvel, you know, had their line of what if comics, but they were simply just that little one off stories of what if, you know, what if, what, what if fucking, you know, Daredevil became a shield agent instead of being Daredevil, right? right? You know, like, what if Venom possessed the Punisher? Yeah. And they were always very cool stories, very different things. But then when you started to get into this idea of multiverse storytelling, um, which honestly DC kind of did first in comic books as well, right? Um, it, it changed the whole dichotomy of storytelling because it took those one off stories 
and expanded them into entirely different universes. And that is how we've gotten some of the coolest comic book characters that exist in the more prime canon universes, you know, like to this day, right? Like, you know, just one of the different versions of Superman and different versions of The Flash have come from this. You know, Miles Morales is a popular Marvel example, right? That, That comes from this stuff. You know, these characters have become so popular that when they eventually get out of their own, you know, they, they fucking destroy their own universes and come to the more prime universe, become a main character, and it's fucking awesome. Yeah, and it's really cool. I mean, and this is something that has been talked about. Um, if you ever get a chance to watch the documentary The Death of Superman Lives, there is a great, and it's something that we always talk about. It's exactly when we say, you know, um, real wank stuff for fans. But Kevin Smith originally wrote a script for Superman Lives, and he wanted to bring in Michael Keaton's Batman into the Superman universe that they were creating. And he wanted to just have it as a a one-off scene where Batman is on a big screen and he's there and you get a chance to see him talking during the funeral for a friend. So this crossover, you know, bringing the characters from other universes into a single universe, this has been talked about for decades. Yes. <laughs> so so this is not a new concept, but it is so exciting to see it actually being embraced because yeah, so we're living, in, we're living in the golden age, Well, baby. So, so much because it's hard now, right? Because 10 years ago, right? You go back to 2011 or, or even go back a little bit farther than that, 2008, right? When Iron Man came out, the first Iron Man movie, right? So when that movie came out, we were just so unbelievably excited to just see Iron Man put to screen. And I just, I remember, I remember watching the movie and thinking during that scene where the, which are now obviously agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I remember thinking, oh my God, those are agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because they never really like definitively yeah. call them that until the end. It was great. But like you see them and you're like, oh my God, oh my God. Those are agents of Shield. Yeah, and now like we're so oversaturated with superhero content, it's hard to create something that's still going to be exciting and interesting. This blending and taking what was in the past, what we have seen, what we have already invested time, effort, money into, and bringing it back, man, that's really cool. So let's talk about. Your- I would I, just before you go into that, yeah. I, I would love to see. This is just uh, something for myself. <laughs> I would love to see a throwaway scene, thirty seconds, with Tom Hardy's Venom biting the head off of Topher Grace's Venom <laughs> and absorbing his Venom. I think that would be amazing. <laughs> that would be really good. Um, no, so so to your so the the comment you made about seeing something new and different in the superhero genre because we're so saturated is a perfect segue into Eternals. Now, uh, it's it's Friday night. Eternals just got released today. Anthony and I will be going to see this movie at some point this week um, and record our podcast with our thoughts on it uh, next week. Um, 100%. But I just... I have been... And and I've, I've gone on record in the Rotten Tomatoes fantasy chat for what, at at least nine months now, roughly, saying that I am worried about this movie. 
I have little confidence that it's going to be up to the standards of uh, of Marvel movies, right? I don't necessarily think it'll be a bad movie because Marvel doesn't really make bad movies, right? But, you know, I think that it's going to be on the same level as, like, Thor the Dark World, you know? Yeah. Or Ant-Man and the Wasp, you know? Like, not an Ant-Man and the Wasp is much better than Thor in the Dark World, just to, to clarify. But there's still a couple of the weaker movies in the Marvel franchise. And here's why I think it's going to be bad. Because anytime I tell somebody that I think Eternals is not going to be good, they're like, who are you talking about? Uh, look at this, all these A-list actors and Chloe Zhao and all this directing and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, let's just take a step back and look at it for a minute, okay? First of all, we are we're going to see a movie where we're introducing no less than six brand new hero characters, right? At the same time. So we all know from past experiences what that does to a movie when you're have when you have a competing cast of characters that that many. That's a lot of new characters to introduce into one movie. But even when you get beyond that, right? The, the trailer really seems to suggest so, so my, my fears only intensify when I saw the trailer because the trailer really seems to suggest that not only do we have six brand new characters or I, I, I think there's actually like eight of them or whatever it is but mm -hmm. several brand new hero characters that all seem to have pretty much the same fucking power set. They all seem to have some cool, shiny, glowy powers. The only one that seems to be a little bit different is Angelina Jolie's character because she seems to, like, form her own weapons. But everybody else has got just fucking flying, super-strength yeah, laser they got the eyes, starter you kit. know? Like they the starter the, kit, yeah. They yeah. the starter kit. The super-strength, <laughs> super-durability, flight. Like, which, again, does not make kit. a boring hero, but when they all do the same, like Joss Whedon talked about this, right, in, in Age of Ultron. Right. And, it, and it's, you know, Age of Ultron, I still like. It is definitely not up to too. stuff in terms of the other movies. But his, you know, because a lot of people questioned why he wanted to introduce Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. And his comment was something along, to the, uh, along the effect of, you know, like, well, the original core team of Avengers, as cool as they all are, and, you know, their characters had already been developed, so that was, you know, totally fine. Because like, when you really kind of break it down, like, they all really have just punching powers, right? Hulk, Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, yep. you know, they all just have punching powers, right? So you want to introduce characters that had a un more unique power set. And I can really relate to that. That's one of the reasons why by the time we get to things like Civil War and especially Infinity War and Endgame, it's so is it such a better team of characters because you've got such a, a more diverse power set among the heroes. And I'm just not seeing that in Eternals. You know, it's funny because it doesn't, now, I've never read The Eternals. I'm not really as familiar with their storyline. But just from the movie itself, and we were even talking to some of our, our friends that are more casual superhero fans, it feels like a DC movie. And the fact... <laughs> The fact that it feels the fact that it's certified rotten just kind of hammers that home. Yep. But it looks like it looks like a DC super. It looks like the Justice League. Yeah. Which it feels that this should be either Supreme Power or Squadron Supreme or whatever you want to call it. Um, why did they choose to do Eternals instead of something like Supreme Power? If they wanted to do like the Justice League. 
why not just do Supreme Power, which is a Marvel storyline with essentially Justice League characters? Right. I mean, that's that's Hyperion is literally Superman. Yeah. You know, like So I think what they're building to, you know, is I mean, like they they've they've talked about like they being Kevin Feige has talked about how they want to focus a lot more on Marvel Cosmic, you know, and that's a lot of what Thor and Love and Thunder is gonna be. There's obviously the you know, the Guardians crossovers there happening and stuff in Guardians Three. And, like, you know, very excited about all of that. But, like, as it relates specifically to the Eternals, and, again, just going off of what we know, they can totally make this movie good. But from my perspective, you know, I'm always, like, a, like a whore for the story thing part of it, right? You, They are going to need to sell me so hard on the threat of the deviants somehow being worse than Thanos because one of the things they talk about in the trailer is that, you know, it's like, oh, well, where the hell were you guys when Thanos was doing his thing? It's like, ah, well, you know, we, we, we can't get involved unless it's the Deviants. And the Deviants just look like the same, you know, nameless, faceless, I'm sorry, faceless fucking monsters that Thanos had in his army. They look exactly the same. So it's like, they they need to sell why the deviants are so goddamn bad that the Eternals, these eight, seven or eight fucking supermen, were sitting on their thumbs for the last seven years while Thanos was like wreaking havoc. Like, what is so like? Is it is it a connection to the Celestials? Possibly, most well, likely. I mean, they definitely show a celestial in right. the but movie. But like, but like, are the celestial like are the deviants? Agents of the Celestials, like are they? Are they? They the Eternals now being awoken to somehow combat the Celestials, and if that's the case, like you're you're throwing that all at us at once, like yeah. all of a sudden it's bam Celestials end of the universe type shit. Like you can't do all that in one movie. I'm like this no. movie is not going to be good. I'm not looking no. like. I'm, I'm, I'm so... Oh, this movie gets me so heated. The question is, what is going to be better? Venom, Let There Be Carnage, or Eternals? Now, Eternals is much longer. I think it's like a two-hour yeah, something a, movie. Yeah, typical Marvel movie. Right, movie. yeah. Yeah, so already Venom is beating it, Yep. right? Because if it's going to be a bad movie, get me in and out in an hour and 40 minutes. So here's the one <laughs> saving grace I have for Eternals. The Jon Snow's character, the, the Black Knight, he's a character in the movie... Um, he's the only character who is not an Eternal. Um, the Black Knight in the comic books is just a guy that has like a mystical King Arthur fucking sword, and that's how he gets the powers and shit, whatever. And he he was part of the '90s Avengers team. And truth be told, he's, he's a pretty cool character. Like when he when he's done right, yeah. Um, he's only in the trailer very for very like, '90s. Yeah, he's yeah. only in the trailer for like point two seconds, right? So it leads me to believe that Marvel's doing one of their classic fucking fake outs where the the Eternals are not going to be the main characters, so to speak, of the movie, and the story will actually more focus on the Black Knight. And if that's the case, then I'm a lot more interested because the last thing the Marvel Universe needs is a bunch of fucking god characters just chilling there, existing in the universe. I want Eternals to end with most of them fucking dying. Yeah, I I hope so. I don't think that's going to be the way that it is, and I think that it's going to be something that it's going to lead into, like, I I think the Eternals are, I I, I think they're setting them up to be the bad guys. Oh. I think that they're going to set the Eternals up, and I haven't seen the Eternals. I've only seen the trailer for this movie, right? And multiple different trailers, multiple times. But I think that's what it's going to set it up to be, right? Which hurts my feelings, because then they're going to have a team-on-team 
storyline yeah. and then we're not going to need secret invasion or dark <laughs> avengers or anything like that but which uh, why waste it on the eternals but i think yeah. that's the direction that they're going to go because i think that you're going to have these all-powerful people and then you're going to have the regular marvel heroes or maybe even the guardians of the galaxy the asgardians of the galaxy right. if you will uh that are going to go and defeat them yeah, that's you know I never really thought about that as possibly having the Eternals as the bad guys somewhere down the line. That would be cool. Yeah, I just it the movie from the moment it was announced, I had questions. Um, it it hasn't really excited me. I've only gotten less excited for this movie um, since it's been since the, the more I learn about it. Um, obviously, we're gonna go see it. I'm hoping it's good, but again, you know. Marvel movies at this point, they're it's like pizza and sex. Like you know, even when it's bad, yeah, it's, it's still good, right? Yeah. You know. But I think it, it is something to say that this is the first certified yeah. rotten Marvel movie ever, right? And and to say, to say that the fact that they have done however many movies that they've done over the you know thirteen years yeah, span, some of the movies, yeah, that's pretty fucking impressive. No, absolutely, it is. I mean, the track record is unrivaled. But yeah, it is interesting because, like you know, again, using Thor: Dark World as an example, among fans, that's the most rotten movie that there is in the MCU. But even that movie, among critics, is you know, that's probably like a sixty. I don't know. I have to look it up. But like, it's it's not it's not rotten. But it's not like you know in the it's not in the eighties. Yeah. But it's not rotten. Yeah. Um. This is the first movie that critics have called rotten. So I'm very just interested to see where it goes when fans finally get their fucking hands on it. <laughs> yeah. I I I think it's gonna be interesting. I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'm intrigued. I'm. I, I, I'm my expectations are very low going in, which I think is going to be a good thing. I think I'm going to end up being pleasantly surprised. The problem good point, yeah, that's a good in, point. In, in my opinion, though, the problem is going to be the length of the movie. I think it's going to be. I think yeah. I'm just going to sit there and it's going to get to like an hour and forty five minutes in, and I'm going to look at my watch and think, "Oh my god, we have another half an hour left of this movie." And I'm like, "Oh, we're going to have to get really high before we go into this movie." I think that is accurate. <laughs> I think that is. Accurate. I think that's what we need to do. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's move on to DC fandom to to wrap up the episode. Just give yes. you guys some what we're talking about. Let's let's right. Just let's talk about the best part first. The Batman. This movie, I have not been this excited for a DC live-action movie property probably since The Dark Knight Returns. Is he the linchpin character? Is this this now definitively saying Batman is the most important character in the entirety of the DC universe? Oh, like just in general? Just in general. 100%. Uh, Yeah, 100%. I I think he is the Lynchman character. I think he's the most important character. I think that this movie looks phenomenal. Colin Farrell as the Penguin looks incredible. And he's apparently only in it for like a half hour. Like he's not a major character apparently. Great. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Like – because everything that I've seen on screen in the trailer from him and – for those, it, it, it really feels like we're getting a, the Dark Knight treatment with Robert Pattinson. Yep. Where everyone thought, Heath Ledger, how could you be the Joker? How could you be that person? And all of a sudden, Heath Ledger comes in and he's the best Joker ever. Dude, and I right? said that since day one. I said that I when, we he's did, be good. when we did our fandom episode right. last year, right? You know, like, the only people that are, are going to shit on 
Robert Pattinson as Batman are the people that have only ever seen him in Twilight. If you watch Robert Pattinson act in literally anything else, you see immediately that he is a very talented, very capable, very good actor. Yeah. And he's got the range to pull this part off. Yeah, and and very famously, his role in The Lighthouse is what landed mm-hmm. him this role as Batman. He's fucking awesome. That movie is wild yeah that is a crazy that's 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 the kind of movie that's right up my alley yeah like, that movie's a fucking strange. head trip yeah it's a head trip it's strange it's all over the place it's but it's got a good message and it's really great yeah um and i think i think you're gonna see a lot of robert pattinson being the batman and doing a lot of the batman things where he like punches the glass where right. is she yep right you know we've seen that before right but that's batman yeah, that's Batman. There's nothing wrong with that, right? I I like that we're seeing a little bit more practical Batman too. The Batmobile, I love looks like the a Batmobile. real car. It looks a real I car. I love the way that it looks. It's, it's a muscle car. It, yep. it looks like a blend of the uh, like the Batmobile and the Adam West 1960s Batmobile. Like uh-huh. it looks like a legitimate car, which is really cool. Like that is something that's really cool. It doesn't look over the top. Doesn't look too fantastic. It's it's just a car. The fact that we're getting it's it's almost like I don't want to call it year one, but it's almost like a year two. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Yeah, for you sure. know, which is really cool. You see him; he's got like the the wristlet that's mm-hmm. wrapped around, so you can see sort of like the technology is a little bit more blatant, and it and it looks a little. It's just the the action looks more real, and it looks it looks like a legitimate thriller. Like, it looks like a very scary, like, Seven-style, like, murder, psycho murderer movie. It looks very, very scary. And I think that... um, And the thing that excites me about it is the... It it feels like all the shit we talk about Zack Snyder and his awful, awful directing where everything is, like gray right like this movie just from the scenes we've seen in the trailer like this is how you direct a movie that you want to be dark without actually making it physically fucking dark right well like, <laughs> and let's say something because it is physically dark but there is a lot of but it's like, not gray like there's it's still not gray skill there's yeah, still a color palette yeah. to it yeah exactly there's still color there like it's just it yeah it, this movie has me very excited um, you know, e- even just down to the finite details of his suit, how the cowl is very much a combination of a lot of the different Batman we've seen on screen before, even going, even bringing Adam West into that a little bit, you know, like it, this movie has me more excited than anything DC has put out, uh, for a very long time. Yeah. And I think that the Riddler and the way that they are going to do the Riddler in this movie is... I think it's really good. Yeah. I think it's really cool. I think it's going to be very legitimately psychotic. And like I said, just like it's going to feel like a psycho murderer, like serial killer thriller style, like detective story. Yep. And, and that is very cool. And let's, so let's talk about the exact opposite at Fandom. I'm sorry, Black Adam is going Uh-oh. to suck balls. Don't you talk negatively about The Rock. Balls. We're going to get canceled so fast if you talk negatively about The Rock. The biggest <laughs> star on the planet, anything the man touches is gold. 
literally gold. No. Um, will it suck? Yes. Yes, it will suck. It's going to be I, so bad. I certainly think if they... So one of the things about Dwayne Johnson that is so good is that he's such a good entertainer. And he is so good at his dialogue. One of the things that I think that if they do well in this movie, he will talk very little. And he'll just be there. And the things that he will say will have much more impact because he will he will say certain things. They will cut to the bone. Like, the fact that he doesn't talk in the, the teaser trailer, yeah. I think that's a good sign. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. That that has to be the case. They they, they, they got to do it the way that, um, the way that they did... Wesley Snipes in the original Blade movie where the director made a point about how he didn't yep. want Blade to speak a single line of dialogue for the first like 15, 20 minutes of the movie because he wanted to add that mystique. Because you're right. You you give me, you put The Rock in any sort of action comedy yeah, movie, Jungle Cruise, right? like, Jumanji. I will see it 10 times out of 10. Yeah. You put The Rock in a movie where he has to play even a a, a serious, serious character, which Black Adam should be. I'm not interested. I'm, I'm just not. It, when has The Rock successfully played a character like that? Gridiron Gang. Maybe. Maybe. Um, yeah. That's a hard maybe. Yeah, it's a hard that's maybe. That's a hard maybe, and, man. <laughs> and, 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 you know, you can have your opinions about that movie or whatever. But I, I think, again, I think that the key here is that less is more. And yep. if he speaks less, he speaks slowly. Because The Rock, he always, Dwayne Johnson always talks very quickly. He always has a very quick wit. Right. And he has a very quick line of dialogue. If he speaks very slowly and definitively, I think it's going to draw the audience in. Right. I don't think that's going to happen in this movie. Yeah. No. <laughs> and, and, and and don't get me wrong, you know, like I would love to see, you know, more world building out of this movie. Give me an after credit scene where Zachary yeah. Levy's Shazam shows yeah. up, right? And then, you know, bu- build that world a little bit more and, and have him show up. Um, as a as a villain or an ancillary character in future movies, but I'm just worried about him leading his own solo fucking movie as Black Adam. I just I just can't see this movie being good. <laughs> I like the fact that they're bringing in Hawkman. I like that they're just doing a lot of the Egyptian sort of mythology yeah, totally. and mythos um, and Canandak. I I think that's very very cool. Um, if I see one people's eyebrow, I'm gonna walk. I'm gonna walk out. I'm gonna, if I see the people's eyebrow, I'm gonna walk out of the fucking movie. I swear to God, if he raises that goddamn eyebrow, because that's just not Black Adam. It's just not. Yeah. I do like though that he did float in the in the trailer. That was that's, cool. Yeah. That's, that's very that's very Black Adam. Very Black, Black Adam does not walk. He yep. does not walk. He floats, and he because he is above. He considers himself right. above everyone else yeah, because he's too cool for that he shit. is royalty. He is regal. He is the epitome of regality. He is like he just he is so unbelievably pretentious because he can be because he is the fucking ultimate yep. because he can literally go toe to toe with Superman. Yep, you know, and like he is one of the only people that can. So I think that I think it has the potential. To be good if they do it in the right way. And I think that the teaser trailer isn't... It, it, it looked very Zack Snyder. 
just all CGI. It looked, it looked very gray even and just, dark. Just like, the outfit he was wearing, uh, the way that the robe looked, uh, it just looked very Zack Snyder, and it just, uh, it did not look good. No, it did not. I'm not. Nope. <laughs> nope. And I, yep. That's another. I, I and I've been saying that for what? Black, Ad, Black Adam got announced what six years ago? Like I, when it got More announced that, six I, years ago, I, I was think still, The Rock got attached to this in like. 2012, yeah, <laughs> like, right. I'm pretty sure. Still skeptical. <laughs> um, all right, so let's move on to the other big thing uh, of uh, uh, of DC Fandom, or the, the probably the third biggest thing. Uh, the Flash movie. Flash Point, oh, to be man. exact. Now, this is one that I am excited for. Um, Ed of Cannon Fodder and I shared differing opinions on this. Um I'm excited for this movie. I still think that Ezra Miller sucks as Barry Allen. Um, I, I he had, does he have the potential to be better? Yes, of course. But few things about this movie that got me very excited. A right off the bat, his costume has changed. They got rid of that bullshit Zack Snyder armor plated costume and put him in a much more comic accurate, while still looking good for live action suit. Like very excited about that. And then obviously. Like, you know, I, the, the one thing that worries about this movie is, like, I feel like they're relying too heavily on Michael Keaton's Batman to carry it, you know, just based on all the, the talk and everything. And the trailer was very much a teaser, like, very much a teaser. But it, it just seeing what I saw, again, just, just from the fact, again, that they changed his costume and got rid of that Snyder bullshit and made it much more comic accurate has me thinking that, like, okay— they're at least on the right path here. Like <laughs> So, forever, probably going back to the very earliest episodes of Ready, Set, Review, we have talked about this Flash movie. Mm-hmm. And we have shit on it. Yeah. And shit on it and shit on it and shit on it. This trailer, to me, was the most pleasantly surprising trailer that came out of DC Fandom. Yeah. I, I really love the way that it looks. I love that they have the flash ring that they, yes. they showed that. That was very cool. It it, it um it, it looks like the story is going to be very accurate and true to, to what Flashpoint was. Um will there be I think there could be a really cool touching scene between Ben Affleck's Batman and Michael Keaton's Batman right. and oh my god, getting them on the screen at the same time. Mind blowing. Yeah. Could be absolutely freaking phenomenal. Um it looks good. It looks good. I love the way the Flash's outfit looks. I love that they have multiple flashes that are there. Yeah, that's confusing to me because they're both Barry Allen, but Yeah, they're both Barry Allen, and one looks like the long haired version that right. you see in Batman versus Superman. Right. And then the other one is the one that we see in Justice League. Wouldn't that be which, great that it's just a completely different like no connection to Batman versus Superman or Justice League whatsoever? That would be great. Yeah, that would be amazing. And but it's like are they supposed to be two different people? Because well, like, one already, has the longer hair. Because well, we already know that Supergirl has been cast in this movie as well. And if I, I'm trying to think back to the screen stills we saw of her, like the behind-the-scenes shots, I think that her S is different than the S that we've seen in the previous uh, Snyder movies with Henry Cavill. But I'm not 100% certain on that. I have to go back and look. But 
Yeah, and, and it was because again, we we already know they're going like balls deep in multiverse for oh, this, absolutely. right? So it just it just makes me think that the Barry Allen that we're seeing in this movie with the new costume might be just a completely new fucking Barry Allen that we haven't seen before, and that's why he's able to exist in this universe with this Batman and this Supergirl, like which would be awesome. I would be totally fine with them wiping the slate clean of anything that Zack Snyder has done because I feel like that's what they're just gonna continue. To to do you know yeah a hundred percent so let me ask you a question what would you like to see in this movie in order to make it good now we know that it's going to be a huge multiverse crossover sort of movie cameo appearances from other characters you know speaking specifically to that who do you want to see show up in this movie that would really because you know Michael Keaton's going to be there. You know that the original 1989 Batmobile is going to be there, right? You know that Ben Affleck's Batman is going to be there. Who else do you want to see? To be honest, I don't need much else. To be honest, I I really want them to do as comic-accurate Flashpoint as they possibly can. Like, you know, so instead of, like, don't make it, as dark and dystopian, you know, as uh, uh, the Flashpoint comic actually is. But what they really should do, in my opinion, it's not so much about what characters I would want to see, it's what I'd want them to do. So let's just go back. We talked about Crisis earlier, right? Right. One of the coolest little scenes in Crisis was that 30-second fucking scene where all of the universes were ending and Barry Allen, the CW Barry Allen, was traveling through the multiverse and through time trying to find a solution, and he runs into the DCEU, the Ezra Miller version of The Flash. And he's surprised to see him there because he's like, oh, I already thought all the other universes had been fucking destroyed. We were living outside of time. Like, how the fuck are you even here? And... Uh, Ezra Miller's Flash makes the comment about it. he's like oh I told Bruce I was right I told I forget I, I forget what he said. Yeah, I told somebody line, yeah. yeah he said he said I told somebody I can't remember if it was Bruce or if it was the Martian Manhunter character it was some character like, oh, I told them you know that I was right about this or whatever so I want to see Flashpoint like be derivative of that specific scene so that Barry Allen that we're seeing in Flashpoint has like I like I I want flashpoint to open with barry allen like already lost in the time stream in the multiverse like you don't need to tell me how he got there right because the it's it's like the theory we've talked about before some of the marvel movies right if i'm going to see this movie in theaters chances are i'm watching all the cw shit too and i've seen that scene so if you just throw me right in to the concept of the multiverse and this version of Barry Allen already traveling through that and through time to do whatever it is he is trying to do. That's how I want this movie to start and go flashpoint as comic accurate as you can from there. And you realize he's like, oh, I've I've fucked up, you know, some shit here. Maybe I should uh, maybe I should go back and, and try to fix things or whatever. I don't need to see much more than that, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, I I think that would be really cool to see. I think that um, definitely some of the CW characters is something that I would love to see brought in. Maybe just a short scene with the Jay Garrick 
Flash. Yes. I think that would be really, really cool. Just a little bit of sage wisdom from the Jay Garrick character, maybe at the end of the movie, right? Or maybe just like, you know, and I definitely, one of the coolest things about Flashpoint is the letter. The, the letter the that Thomas Wayne oh, letter, yes. writes to Bruce Wayne, yes. and you see Bruce Wayne crying over it. So good. Which is just so uncharacteristic for Bruce Wayne. Like, such a, a amazingly powerful scene in that, in that comic. I would love to see something like that, where if that is when we see Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck's characters right. on screen at the same time— I want it to be that impactful. I want it to be that powerful. Right. Right? Because the inclusion of Michael Keaton's Batman really does beg the question, going all the way back to the original four Batman movies, is where does it end and where does it begin, right? So, like, Michael Keaton obviously stopped after Batman Returns, but we know from other recurring characters, such as the Alfred... Alfred and Commissioner yeah. Gordon in Batman Forever and, and Batman, Batman and Robin, and Robin right? right? That it's still the same universe, even though the casting of Batman has changed. So, where is this movie going to go? Is this movie going to acknowledge Forever and Batman and Robin, or is it just going to stop I, with uh, Batman Returns and then tell something else that happened after that? Right? Yeah, I think I think it would it would be a mistake to try and tell where he is. I think it's just I think it should just be. Hey, it's Batman. Yeah, you know right. that it's Michael Keaton. You know that Michael Keaton was Batman. Like, because they've, they've got Batman. the they've got the the uh, what do you call it? The, like the tarp over the Batmobile, oh, like which I like. Oh, yeah, man. and he pulls the tarp off, yeah. and you just know that it's you the know original what it is. Batmobile. Yeah, you know what it is. That toy yeah. we had, we all had. Yeah, the toy. I, we all had the we toy where you push the the missile launchers <laughs> and they rocket fire out. Man, oh, man, what a great toy that was. Yep. So yeah. yeah, so so those were the the big the big highlights of uh, DC fandom. There's obviously some other stuff, but we could talk for like two hours about all the other shit. Those are the yeah. three big things we had to talk about. Yeah, because- I, I think I think Flashpoint is going to be. I think that's going to be what we have been talking about for years. It's going to be the soft reboot of the DC universe. I think it would be a mistake to try and tie it into. The Batman or the Joker yep. movies that we got because they are very different. It's a very different tone. They need to be way, way outside of the collaborative universe. I like that they're focusing on Ben Affleck's character and uh, Michael Keaton. I love the fact, again, very similar to Spider-Man and the multiverse of madness and and um, uh, not far from home. Uh, what's it called? Uh What's the new Spider-Man? No Way Home. No Way Home. Sorry. <laughs> Homecoming, Far From Home, No Way Home. It's all a theme. <laughs> yeah. So I think very similar to No Way Home, like having that multiverse of characters is really, really cool. And getting a chance to see them on screen is just real wank stuff for fans. Um, I'm excited for it. I, I We had talked so much trash about this movie. Getting a chance to see this first trailer for this movie has me very excited. And now it, it, it is supposed to come out next year, right? Yep. It comes out in yep. 2022. Yeah, yeah I, I, I can't wait. Um, 
Yeah, I'm very excited for yeah. a lot of the stuff that DC is doing right now. Now that we're done with Zack Snyder and his fucking vision, <laughs> the vision, I'm glad that we get to see some real creative people who actually care about the comics. But I, 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 but I also like the fact that we can take some of the cool elements right. from his universe Bring it into a different, and then we Which can we smash said. them all yeah. together. That's what we always said. Take, exactly. Take the good stuff, leave the bullshit behind. Yeah. It's like ten percent good. Leave the rest of the fucking bullshit yeah. behind. The the one unfortunate thing is that I would have loved to see um, Brandon Ruth's character uh, of Superman. Yeah. Uh, I would have loved to see him again. See him again. Well, well, because Brandon Ruth, because in the Flashpoint storyline. Superman is, they find out about Superman very early and they capture him and hold yep. him underground. So he's this very emo, very skinny, like he's not Superman at right. all. Like he's this very weak and fragile character. And I think that Brandon Ruth could do it very, very well. And like he could do like this strung out, very pale, very skinny you know, just in this Superman, you know, leotard that that just looks like strung out and crazy, but then all of a sudden jumps up into the sun, starts absorbing that yellow sunlight, and bam, becomes like the force that is to be reckoned with. I think that would be very, very cool to see. I totally agree. Yeah. Well, so, um, so that's uh, so that's our show for today. Um I'm super excited to be back doing writing some review and talking about all. This Absolutely, recording live yeah. from the keypad. Yeah, we'll be we'll be back at a shared universe as we normally are. We'll be going all over the place, uh, recording a lot lately. Um, but you know, you guys know the drill. Check out all of the socials, uh, Instagram. We got our link tree up there to follow the Review Podcast Network um, on all the podcasts we have on all the different platforms: Google, Apple, Spotify, wherever you feel like listening to podcasts. Check out the free Blockbuster, uh, free New Jersey Blockbuster Instagram page. The Blockbuster box is actually at 3BR Distillery in Keyport. Yep. NJFreeBlockbuster.org yep. or, uh, or NJFreeBlockbuster on Instagram. Um, you know, let us know as well. Like, what do you want to see in the Flashpoint? What do you want to see, you know, that you think would make it look good? Do you think that the Black Adam movie is going to look good? Let us know what you guys think. Let us know. Um, you know, definitely leave a comment on our Instagram page, you know, and, and let us know what you think of, would be really cool to see or what you're hoping for. And as always, stay tuned, true reviewers. <laughs>